Have you ever used a horny duck to open a bottle of wine, Kurt? What part of his body did Brad Pitt injure in the movie Troy? What is the real reason that pirates wore eye patches, Kurt? What's the official animal of Scotland? That sounds like the kind of thing if you do too much of, you could go blind. What is the only country in the world to not have mosquitoes? What is the longest one-syllable word in the English language? Uh, hmm, what? You think? Hello, world! It's time for Smart Drivel! It is? Yes, it is! Co-host Kurt Schneider here with... Sounds like you're having both sides of the conversation, Kurt. This is John Ellenthal. Hello. Hello to everybody listening. Hello to you, John. John, I'm excited for today's episode. Oh, as am I. I am excited too. Do you know why I'm excited? Because you're easily excitable? Well, because we just got the format right there. I'm going to ask you some questions and you're going to give me the answers. And they're not going to be easy, John. And in my questions and in your answers, we're going to learn things, things we didn't know about, things that are crazy, things that are funny, things that will blow your mind. That's what we're doing today, John. Would you like me to ask you questions during the episode too, Kurt? Yes, it's a back and forth, or as my friend just said on a phone call, you know, it's when you teach yourself, it's autodidactic. Wow, that's a very fancy word, autodidactic. That sounds like the kind of thing if you do too much of, you could go blind. (laughs) You were autodidactic about 1978, were you not? I forgot. What does autodidactic mean? (laughs) Let's get into the episode. Okay, John. All right, Kurt. I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to give me an answer, and then then you have to give me your reason for your answer, and then I'll give you if it's correct or not. Excellent. Okay. What kitchen implement does a male duck's penis most resemble? A spatula. No! Okay. Corkscrew, John, a corkscrew. So a male duck's penis, which is hidden inside, comes out when it's time to procreate or when they think it's time to procreate. And it comes out as a very large corkscrew. But that's not all. See, what happens is it's made to be a corkscrew because it was in the animal world, there's a lot of forced copulation, right? In order to promulgate the species. Well, however, and get this, John, female ducks have evolved a clockwise spiraled vagina to thwart the entry of the clockwise spiral corkscrew. You know what? I imagine if you brought a duck into a wine shop, it would go crazy. It would see all of these things that it could screw. Hey, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it screws like a duck. Well, I was going to ask you a question that is on a bit more serious topic, but ah, what the hell? I'll do it anyway. From duck dicks to this, who is the first person, Kurt, to be made an honorary citizen of these United States? Can you give me the year or not? No, but I'll tell you this, which will give you no clue whatsoever. He, well, that's a clue was one of only two such people 
who were bestowed the honorary citizenship during their life. There have been a total of eight people, six of which were awarded this posthumously. I got it. I got it. Albert Einstein. It is an excellent guess. And you had the century right. And certainly Albert Einstein is worthy considering his contribution, but is one of your favorite historical figures, one Winston Churchill. Whoa, that makes sense. And as he should. Well, by the way, did he need it? Because his mother was American. Right. But I don't think he was an um, he was certainly was not a U.S. citizen until he was granted honorary citizenship. The only other honoree during their life was Mother Teresa. However, one honoree was someone you invited to our dinner party back in, uh, I think, episode 11. Do you know who that was? Sacagawea. No. Marquis de Lafayette. Yes, probably the most oft-mentioned historical figure on this podcast, at least for the first 98 episodes, Marquis de Lafayette also was given honorary U.S. citizenship for all that he did for this country during the Revolutionary War. Pretty cool, huh? Who decides? That's a very good question. I have your answer, Kurt. Uh, You are declared an honorary citizen of the U.S. by an act of Congress or by a proclamation issued by the president. I think I'd kind of rather be knighted by Queen Elizabeth or be made an OBE. So I am working on a business right now in which one of the founders is an OBE, which is not someone who delivers babies like your brother, Scott. Instead, it is an order of the British Empire. He was given an order of the British Empire for saving 11 million lives. And I think like Brad Pitt is also an OBE. So there you go. Oh, so here's my question for you. What part of his, now that we're talking about Brad Pitt, what part of his body did Brad Pitt injure in the movie Troy? I believe that was his penis. No. That would have been thematically consistent, Kurt. Yes. What part of his body did Brad Pitt injure when they were filming the movie Troy? Can I give you a hint? I think I need a hint. Yeah. His character was Achilles. Ah, I suspect. He injured his Achilles tendon in a great act of irony. In a great act of irony while playing the role of Achilles. How did he do that? They were training and they were running on the sand over and over again. And I think the thing just got, you know. Is that considered method acting when you actually hurt your Achilles playing Achilles? (laughs) I guess so. You know what that reminds me of? I think you mentioned this. Charlie Chaplin once entered a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest like in San Francisco and didn't win. Someone else also did that. And this one's hard to believe, just like the Charlie Chaplin is because he's so distinctive looking. Dolly Parton also entered a Dolly Parton lookalike contest and did not win. I thought you were going to say he that she entered a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest. and I wasn't going to be surprised that she didn't win. All right. So we've learned about Brad Pitt. We've learned about corkscrews. We've learned about honorary citizens. All right. Come on. I'm ready because I'm feeling I'm feeling good here. Okay. What is the real reason that pirates wore eye patches, Kurt? The real reason? Okay. What's Uh, the reason you think it is? Well, that they had lost an eye. But 
I think it also has something to do with which eye they wear it on. Like when you graduate and you have the mortar board and the right. tassels on one side, when you graduate, you put it on the other. Or if you wear, you know, something here on right side of your sleeve, it tells you one thing versus the left. So I think it's like one if by land, two if by sea. They've lost both eyes. That's two by sea. And if they've lost one, it's by land. That was a nice callback to our last episode when we talked about Paul Revere. Yeah. Well, there actually was a utilitarian purpose behind it. It allowed them to move from the bright areas of on deck to the dark areas below deck. They basically just switched the eye patch so that they always had one eye adjusted to where they were going. You know what? That's amazing because when I was a young lad in the Boy Scouts, we went to the Army Reserves someplace for a weekend, and we got trained by a lot of the people in the Army Reserves. And one thing they told us was, if you're in the dark and there's going to be a flash, you close one eye, and that way you won't be blinded. Unbelievable. So this allowed them to move you know, above deck and below deck seamlessly. It also prevented, that. it also protected them in the event they were next to a duck who <laughs> was feeling it. And that's how they lost one of their eyes, probably. It certainly is as plausible a reason as any other. So I think we've talked about this previously, but along that same lines, why did sailors in pirate ships wear gold hoop earrings? Huh. I don't believe we talked about this. Oh, so why do all these sailors from olden times have the gold hoop earring? I believe they wore one hoop to indicate whether they were open to the advances of other pirates while on board. No, no, no. This is really cool and really practical. Okay, I'm ready. So that if they died at sea and they were penniless, they could take that golden hoop earring and would pay for their funeral. Oh, that is quite practical and morbid at the same time. But I guess the life of a pirate is dangerous. It's very cool. And when you consider that, Pirating is probably a dangerous profession. I'm sure that death was always present in their thoughts. Are you ready Ready for this? No, I think it's my turn. No, I just asked you. You just asked me about eye patch. No, you asked me about earrings. Yeah, but that was an adjunct to the eye patch. Okay, please. go ahead. Okay. I'm ready. No, 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 no please. I, 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 listen, you played the adjunct card. You were just building on the prior point. So Bill, you go, Kurt. Okay. All right. What is... The official sport of the state of Maryland, home to Johns Hopkins, University of Maryland. Well, I want to say lacrosse because Johns Hopkins is such a lacrosse power. As is Maryland. As is Maryland, but I suspect the answer is not that obvious. So I'm going to go with turtle racing because Maryland is the Terrapins. Oh, that's a great guess, John. It's wrong, but that's a great guess because they're the Terrapins. I'm not surprised it's wrong, Kurt. Are you ready for this, John? Yes. Jousting. And when did it become the state sport of Maryland? June 1st, 1962. (laughs) When was there a jousting history in Maryland that was hidden up until that point? Yes. Apparently, jousting was popular in the late 18th century and became even more popular during the Civil War. And some guy, they were the first state to have an official sport. Some state congressman said it should be jousting. And they went with it. 
or I hope he was jousted for doing that. But that is something I probably wouldn't have gotten with a hundred guesses. So okay. thank you for that. That certainly meets the test of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Since you mentioned Maryland, Just- and Maryland is one of the three states that contributes property to form the District of Columbia, I will ask you a question about the United States government. Okay. What was the reason, the initial reason the U.S. Secret Service was created? What was the original reason? Right. Why was the Secret Service created in the first place? Can you give me the decade? I can give you the year if that helps. Yes. In fact, I can give you the month and the year because I'm I'm feeling generous. July of 1865. I thought you were going to say that. You did? Well, yes, because I was going to say it's because Abraham Lincoln was murdered. And so after his death, they had to do something for the next president so it wouldn't happen again. Well, was he the first president that was uh, assassinated? assassinated? Yes. So you think it was a reaction to Lincoln's assassination. When was Lincoln killed? 1865. Okay, what month? Because this is July of 1865. 1865. I think in order for your guess to make sense... July 1865 needs to be after Lincoln's assassination. Or it was established and stupidly he didn't take them out with him that night. I have good news for you. I have good news for you. Not good news for Honest Abe, the great emancipator. Another callback to our last episode. He was assassinated on April 14th, 1865. So your theory that it is a direct response to Lincoln's assassination and the need to protect future presidents makes all the sense in the world. It is, however, not correct. Counterfeiting was a giant problem back then. And by the end of the Civil War, one third to one half of all U.S. paper currency was counterfeit. It was the Secret Service was originally created to fight counterfeiting, Kurt. I did not know that. Secret Service, which now protects the president. Right. It was not originally created for that purpose, despite your well-thought-out theory on the subject. You know, I know another weird fact about Honest Abe that just popped into my head. He is in the U.S. Wrestling Hall of Fame. Apparently, he was one heck of a grappler, John. At six foot four, I think he probably could just leverage his opponents down. I think the big question was, could he joust? Well, he wasn't in Maryland. He was, you know, what do they call that? DMV, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. I didn't know that till recently. I asked you the official sport of Maryland. I'm going to ask you now, what's the official animal of the country of Scotland? Has to be the duck. <laughs> the salmon. Well, you, you screwed that up. But, uh, but at least uh, I could open the bottle of wine. It is the unicorn. The unicorn. Kurt, is there really an animal called the unicorn in real life? It's the official animal of Scotland. And they have a reason why. Because of these characteristics it has. Dominance, and they name the four. Dominance, chivalry, purity, and innocence. It represents all four of those. The unicorn, John. Wow, the unicorn. I wonder if there really is a unicorn. I was thinking no, but... I wouldn't want to challenge the Scots on this. And they have the, obviously there is because it has these four characteristics. Well, you can have characteristics of a fictional thing. 
And that's what this is, John. I'm just just gonna short circuit it for you. It's it, unicorns are not real. It it does come as a shock. All right, Kurt. I'm going back to the presidency. I'm ready. I like it. You know what? I only wish our listeners could see how ready you look because you look ready. Yeah. The 13th president of the United States, one Millard Fillmore. Yes. Was a member of what political party? First of all, in keeping with the theme, there is a comic strip called Mallard Fillmore about a duck. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Millard Fillmore was in the Whig party. That is correct. He was the last Whig president of the United States. So I'm not surprised you got that because you know presidential history and presidential trivia. (laughs) Have you ever used a horny duck to open a bottle of wine, Kurt? No, but the Whigs have. So So we had the Whigs and the Tories before we had Republicans and Democrats, right? right? I have a follow-up question. For people born in the 1950s, 1960s, what is the thing about Millard Fillmore that stands out the most? Millard Fillmore, not Martin Van Buren, who is the reason we have okay. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Millard Fillmore because that fits the question better. Millard Fillmore in the 1950s and 60s? If you were born during those decades. Oh, because it had something to do with the movie Animal House. Well, that's close. And that's a good guess. And you're in the right genre or milieu. You might remember, Kurt, and our listeners who are of our age might remember that in the Brady Bunch, the kids went to Millard Fillmore Junior High. And you might remember that because of the cheer. F-F-F-I-L-L-L-M-O-O-O-O-R-E, Fillmore Junior High. So I I feel like I've done that before on a previous episode. And I felt a little... I felt a little uncomfortable doing it here, but I think that is the most popular reference to Millard Fillmore for fans of the Brady Bunch. Or Mallard Fillmore, the comic strip. Or Mallard Fillmore. All right. Uh, how would a horny duck deal with a wine bottle that had a screw off top? Well, I should never have asked you this because you are perseverating on it. It's, it's I'm really perseverating. <laughs> I am just riding a unicorn. That's all I'm doing. All right. So sticking with the animal world, John. Yep. What is the only country in the world? Maryland. What is the only country in the world to not have mosquitoes? So it would be a place that's not terribly humid and doesn't have any water. So I'm going to go with one of the poles. I'm going to go with Antarctica or the North Pole. I'm going to go with the North Pole. So close. You've actually been to this country, John. Maryland. Iceland. Oh, shit. But there's water there and green stuff. Okay, but... How are there mosquitoes in North Pole or Antarctica? I said country. Oh, those aren't countries. That's a good point. Okay, I see. I see the distinction you drew there. That's, that makes sense. So yeah. that explains why when I went to Reykjavik, I didn't get any mosquito bites. That's exactly right. All right, come on, I'm ready, because I got a bunch more for you, and sadly, we have to wrap up kind of soon. No, let's not wrap up. This is fun. Okay. All right, Kurt. I'm going to ask you, every cell in the human body gets blood from the heart, except for blank. Every cell? of a, The name of a cell? Uh, part of the body. Let me, let me rephrase the question, since you probably don't know a lot of cells by name. 
No, none. Let's just go with everything in the body gets blood from the heart, except for this part of the body. Everything in your body gets blood from the heart, except for this. I will say the wax that builds up in your ear. I'm not sure that's considered part of your body. It's certainly produced by your body and it's on your body, but I don't know if it's... If it walks like a duck and acts like a duck. If, if it screws like a duck, yes, but I don't consider earwax to be one of the parts of the body fed by the I, circulatory system. I will say the hairs in the inside of your nose. That would be incorrect. Sometimes you can act corny. Do you believe that to be a true statement? The corns on your toes? No, the cornea in the eye. Because uh-huh. the, cornea, the cornea gets oxygen from being exposed to the air. So it doesn't need the blood supply that other parts of the body do. Okay. All right. I'm gonna, may I ask a follow-up question that relates sure. to the heart? Sure. The original suits for playing cards, Kurt, trace back to the late 1400s in France. Yes, they did. True. I'm going to ask you what each one of the four suits represents. They each represent a part of society. Since I said this was related to the heart, and this is a very loose affiliation, why don't I start with the heart? What part of society is represented by the heart? Well, I do know that the four kings are the four best kings in history, but that's not what we're talking about. It's not, but I can see how those bodies of knowledge would intersect. David, Alexander the Great. Kong. We're not talking about this now. Okay, so. What about Kong? No, Kong's not there. Okay, so. Kong. (laughs) Did you not get it? I didn't. Okay. So, (laughs) hearts of society. So, the hearts are the women. They are the clergy. Diamonds are for? Aristocracy. Merchants. Clubs are for? Soldiers. Peasants. Spades are for? Devils. Royalty. I nailed it. You did. You got, every time I asked you a question, you gave me an answer that was a word. Well done, Kurt. Alexander the Great. King David. Kong. (laughs) There's two others. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Now. Ready for this one? Yes. Who invented Lincoln Logs? The son or grandson of the architect Lloyd Wright, whose first name I can't remember. Frank. Frank. Frank Lloyd Wright. Wasn't it just like his son or grandson? You're correct. How do you know that? Because we actually, this came up on a podcast a million years I, ago. I think it did, right? When I... You know what I just proved, Kurt? I just proved something. I just proved that I am not a goldfish. Do you know how I know that? You remembered it. What is the average memory span of a goldfish? Well, if you watch Ted Lasso, you know they have the shortest memory span of any animal. So I'll say three seconds. Three seconds is correct. That just proved because you remembered that from Ted Lasso. And I remember that fact from a previous episode. We have now incontrovertible proof that neither one of us is a goldfish. There may be other pieces of evidence, but we don't know what they are yet. John Lloyd Wright, Frank Lloyd Wright's son, invented Lincoln Logs because he was inspired by his dad's design for the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo. 
Very where nice. I stayed, by the way, in 1970 when my family first moved to Japan. Oh, very nice. What is the name for someone who, and this is, should be the, this should be the, the subtitle for Smart Dribble. What is the name to, for someone who gives an opinion on something they know nothing about? Other than you and me? Yeah. What, what do you call someone who gives an opinion? Like what's the official name for someone who does that? Yeah, which should be the subtext of Smart Dribble. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be hidden as subtext. It should be our name in bright lights. That word. It's, I'll tell you to save you. The it's a ultra crepidarian. John, you and I are ultra crepidarians. Exactly. So since we're getting near the end, let's do a couple of sort of fast ones. Okay. okay. What is the little pocket on your jeans for? Don't you put your pocket watch in there? Yes, it's for your pocket watch. Okay. I'll ask you then, what is older, Oxford University or the Aztec Empire? Oh, that's an easy one because the Aztec Empire, they were defeated by Cortez back in the 16th century. So, and I know that Cambridge is 1209 and I know that Oxford is older than Cambridge. So I will say Oxford. Oxford is 1096. You know what, Kurt, that's not too long after the Norman invasion. You know that? Uh, what happened in the Norman invasion, John? Did those British come over and invade Normandy? No, the, the Normans went to Britain to invade in yes. 1066, my friend. And what 30 battle? years before Oxford University was established. At what battle? The yeah, Battle of the Bulge. <laughs> battle of Hastings. That is correct. That's the kind of stuff you learn at Oxford University. What is the longest one-syllable word in the English language? It has nine letters. Screeched. E-D? E-D? Screeched. One syllable, yeah. Yeah, it's the longest one-syllable word. No? Screeched. It's not screeched. That's more than one syllable there, Kurt. I'm with you. Do you know that the Empire State Building has its own zip code? I did read that. that. You know what that reminds me of? One of our f- most favorite fun facts, our favoritist, the area code around Cape Canaveral is? Oh, yeah. Three, two, one. How cool is that? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a good that's awesome. one. So, Kurt, before we wrap up, is there any last one or two you want to throw out there? I have so many. You know why? Because I'm an ultra crepidarian, but I think I'm going to let it rest for now and save it for when you and I are having a tequila together. And I'm going to throw a bunch more at you. Why don't we why don't we do another episode of this sometime soon? Because I had a very good time. I hope our listeners had a very good time. Do you know what the average lifespan of a major league baseball is in the game? We're going to change it out or in general in a game, in a game, one and a half innings, seven pitches. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a okay. good one. That's All right. Well, listen, one. now that we're, we've stunned ourselves into silence and ah. we're being trepidatious, I got to go get a horny duck to open a bottle of wine for dinner. And I'm going to go down to Maryland to do some jousting. Very good. Well, listen, Kurt and I will be back next week with another brand new episode of Smart Dribble. Until then, we hope your week is filled with Smart Dribble. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.